Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What does evil look like? Do you think you could identify it if you were looking right at it? And even if you could... Do you think you could explain it? Could you explain what makes someone evil? Were they born with it? Or were they made evil? Even if you knew the answer to all these questions and you could identify evil in a heartbeat, what would you do about it then? Do you think you could stop it? Catherine Knight is described as being pure evil. Her actions were malicious and brutal, even against those closest to her. This is the story of Catherine Knight. My name's Ben. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. Warning. The following podcast contains graphic content and material intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. right there what's that it's empty it's empty i drank a liter of water today well you so you have a water bottle with you but nothing to drink right well yeah i polished it off while you were doing your thing getting ready the intro yeah gotcha so you have no today no and you don't either i've got water because well i made margaritas for dinner oh yeah um, okay that's why i don't feel like having it yeah exactly we are we we pre-drank okay that's so funny here i'm like oh i haven't had a drink today and I forgot that he like, You had a drink today. I had a margarita. <laughs> you had a big old margarita. It was fantastic. It was delicious. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we're back from vacation. Uh, we had a fantastic time. Stayed in maybe a haunted hotel and a haunted house. Who knows? <laughs> Only because they were super old. That's why I have suspicions. But there was no ghost to be found. Just everything, everywhere we stay now, we think is haunted apparently. Hey? Pretty much. I kind of just... I don't know. They were, they, they had the vibe, you know? But then the actual place that was haunted was the new build, maybe. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> that we stayed in. Maybe it was. You never know. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, but it's good to be home. It is. It's it, good to be on track, get our things together. It was, June was very busy. So I feel like July, it's kind of just take a deep breath. Yeah, for sure. Although we, we still got shit going on well, in yeah. July. We always, we always have shit going on, but not quite as much shit. No. One thing that's really cool though, is we are headed down to a local brewery on Wednesday yeah. to do a local true crime trivia night, which is awesome. And it's sold out. Like so cool. Like that sold out. So, and we've been prepping for this for a while. So I've yeah. got some epic and I mean, epic true crime trivia questions, which we'll probably like do in reels and shorts and stuff. Yeah. Um, so you guys will be able to do that as well and and take part. 
And not of them all, all of them are easy questions. So no. got to bring your A game to this. I There are going to be some of them that we're going to put up there on uh, for you guys as well on like reels, shorts or whatever. Um, I do not expect you guys to get it because they are a little more tailored to our local area. Mm. So we will put those ones up there still because who knows? Some of you might actually still know it. I can only I, think of one. The, well, the one in particular. Oh, okay. Um, but there was um, uh, the other one with the highway. Oh, no hints here. Uh, no, no, I'm not giving That's any hints. Kinda, okay, okay. No, we're we're going to, I'm shutting you down here. That's too much. Saying highway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair. <laughs> We got, um, we got to keep this a secret because some of those people that are there might be listening to that's this true. episode. Well, if they listen to this episode before the trivia night and they get that clue and do up their homework on it in the meantime, props to them for it. Well, yeah. Like that's a big old hint. Yeah, not really. For one question. Yeah, not really. Because <laughs> okay. that question can go a lot of ways. That's true. That's true. Um, but we are also going to be streaming it over on our Patreon live as well. Yeah. So that's going to be awesome. It's going to be accessed, accessible for anyone over our Patreon to join live for the, the whole event. And speaking of Patreon. We got some to thank, don't we? We do. So these individuals signed up for our Patreon this week, and they're going to have that behind the scenes access, the exclusive content, and access to the live stream on Wednesday mm -hmm. for the trivia. So the people who joined, we have Juno Poppy, Dina Costa, Corey Stefan, Jessica Beer, and Jessica. Nice. That's a good list of names right there. It is. They all get that awesome access, and there's some pretty wicked people right there. Cool. Thank you. That's awesome. So you ready to dive into today's case? I don't know. I'm actually a little bit worried because you were uh, – some some things were coming out of the office today <laughs> when you were, like, researching. What was I like, doing? I didn't tell you anything you about didn't, it. You didn't, but you were just like, Whoa. Or shit, or whoa, that's a lot. Well, <laughs> I, this is a brutal case. This is, uh, the, as I already mentioned, the case of Catherine Knight, Catherine Mary Knight, to be more specific. Okay. Um, we've had many requests to cover her. She's been on my list to cover for a long time, and and it's it's just time to do it. And there's a lot of details within this on the build up side mm -hmm. that I was really like, holy shit, didn't know about that, didn't know about this, like you know. Oh, okay. So, so you're about to blow our minds. I am about to blow your minds. Okay. And uh, just a heads up for you guys. This is a two-parter episode. You're kind. Yeah, I was, wasn't sure if I should tell you guys, but it's going to be in the title anyways. It'll say part one, <laughs> unless I really want it to be mean and just posted it. You did do that one time. I did. And then like <laughs> next week, change it to say part one, you know, which that's really mean. I, I don't know. Ben I, likes to keep you guys on your toes. I do, but I also like, I got a soft spot for you. So I kind of want to like, you know, keep you in the know as well. Yeah. So. So you, you just decided to listen to your little angel today, not. The not, angel, not the devil. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Okay. Well, let's get on with the story. Ready for it? I'm ready. Okay. Catherine Mary Knight committed such horrific crimes that she is considered the most brutal female murderer in Australian history. If not, the most still even if you disregard gender. Oh, whoa. Yeah. But the thing is, why is it important to include gender in that prolific most serial killer person, whatever. Why is gender included in this case? 
Well, I want to make a big note of this because it is important that research. It's important because research. <laughs> Sorry, stumbling here right out of the gate. It's important because research researchers. If I can get Holy, that word, yeah, that's a hard word for you today. Researchers show that men are three to five times more likely to become psychopaths than women. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So huh. Catherine, being a psychopath, is considered a very rare individual. Really? I'm yes. curious of why that is. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So she is very rare because she is a cold-blooded psychopath. A female psychopath. Yes. Okay. Wow. This, that's that's a that's getting us ready here for some yeah. shit. So starting off, we're going to go back into Catherine's past. We're going to start with her growing up and kind of get to know who she was. Okay. So Catherine was born on October 24th, 1955 in Tenerfield, New South Wales, Australia. Now, Tenerfield is a relatively small community today, boasting a population number of around 4,000 residents. So when Catherine was born, I'm sure it would have been much smaller at the time even. Mm, yep. Um, now the area was kind of like a bunch of small communities, like side to side, like you go to one, to the next, to the next, to the next sort of thing. So it's like, they're not really all that far apart, but they're all just a bunch of small communities, towns, cities, that sort of thing. Okay. Now her mother, Barbara, Barbara Rogan had previously been married to another man by the name of Jack Rogan, where she instead lived in the town of Aberdeen in New South Wales in Hunter Valley. Now, together, they would conceive four sons in total, but Barbara would eventually run off with another man by the name of Ken Knight. So Ken was a co-worker and a friend of Jack, but that didn't Ooh. matter to Ken or Barbara. Oh, wow. Yes. That's a little bit saucy, hey? <laughs> Just a little bit. Yikes. I mean, even more so um, because Jack was apparently a supervisor at the place. Oh, whoa. So she went running off with one of his um, workers. Yeah, like um, employees or whatever. Exactly. Definitely don't love that, but okay. <laughs> no, no, I don't think anyone really would. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, all that mattered to them was each other and their new life that they were going to start together. Um, and just like you're sitting here, oh, whoa, a lot of the, the people in the small town thought the same thing. Mm, so it, they were the, they were the talk of the town. They were the talk of the town. It was a great big scandal. Um, it was sweeping across. Everyone was talking about it, whispering. Um, and there was a lot of local backlash that hit them hard. Mm. There were scowls, cold shoulders, and perhaps even, I'm, I'm just saying this because it's my assumption, um, perhaps even threats going along with it. Mm -hmm. um, so Barbara and Ken were eventually forced to move because of their relationship. Now, initially they moved to a town called Marie and Barbara had to leave her four sons behind. Her two eldest boys continued to live with their father, Jack, while the other two younger sons were sent off to live with their aunt in the big city of Sydney, Australia. Mm, okay. Oh, hold on. I messed up my notes here. What did I do? That's okay. Okay. There we go. And how do, do we know why she couldn't take the sons? I'm not too sure. I don't know if she wanted to or if the father wouldn't let them or right. what. Yeah, but the father might have been like, no, you're not taking them. I think that's kind of more so the case. I think she just kind of left them and run off and yeah. the father was like, 
fuck you. I'm keeping the kids sort of thing. Yeah. Jeez. Well, she just broke his heart. Yeah. I'm sure. And especially with a whole town kind of like scolding you, I don't think it's going to be very easy to just like, screw you. I'm going to run away with my new man and take the kids. Right. Yeah. So I think the town was kind of on his side and he was easily able to just keep the kids. Right. Um, the two lovebirds though, were now out of town and they were on their own and they were child free. It was time for them to have a family of their own. So together they would have a total of four children as well. Oh, wow. Two boys and a set of twin girls, the twin girls being born in 1955, one of which, which was Catherine Knight. Oh, she was a twin. She was. And Catherine was delivered just half an hour after her sister, Joy. So Barbara would eventually see more children in her life, though. Now, in a different way than you're probably initially thinking. I want to clarify that. When I was writing this, I'm like, I need to snuff that fire immediately. She didn't, okay. she didn't have more kids. It would be 1959 when Catherine was four years old. Her mother, Barbara's ex-husband, Jack, yeah. passed away. Oh, shit. Poor Jack. Yeah. So the two sons that were living with Jack would then move in with Barbara, Ken, and their family. Okay. Yeah. So they would then have a household filled with six children. That's a lot of children. It is. It's a lot of children to look after and to actually maintain a household with that many mouths to feed yeah. is a lot to do. That would be very expensive. Yeah. So when they did move in, though, the only problem was these two boys had no idea the type of family they were about to move in with. The household was extremely abusive and dysfunctional. Oh. Yeah. And that was not how their household was prior to, by the sounds of it. As far as I know, it was not. But I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know the history on how uh, Jack had treated the children. Okay. No. Um, and because of this, though, because of this terrible household atmosphere, um, understandably, Catherine was not really a confident girl at a young age. And she did not have many friends either. It was not easy for her to make friends. And her twin sister was pretty well one of the only people she really seemed to be close with. Mm -hmm. So because of how she was being raised, though, she did have an extremely terrible temper. So perhaps she, she got this directly from her father, Ken, because Ken was a ruthless man and a violent alcoholic. Mm. Was her mom also abusive? Am I allowed to ask that yet? Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. We're going to touch on Ken here and then we'll move on. But it's just like I'm already getting a little pissy because this is just like setting up a psychopath. Is that what, is that what you called her? Psychopath? Yep. Like it's literally like because... I mean, nine times out of 10, their child is shitty. Yeah. Right. But that begs the question that I asked in the very beginning. One of the many questions, actually. Um, can a psychopath be made or are they born? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. So. I think they could be made. I do, actually. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about this one and it might uh, sway some people one way or the other. Okay. Um, so what Ken did... Um, was pretty brutal. Whatever he said goes, he ruled the roost sort of thing. He was a man who wouldn't shy away from striking and assaulting both his kids and his wife. Wow. Now, it is also reported that he would often sexually assault and rape Barbara multiple times a day, up to 10 times a day, apparently. Holy shit. Yes. 
That alone is an absolutely horrific thing to go through once, let alone many times a day, day in, day out, especially when it's by an alleged, quote, loved one. Yeah, like a partner. Yeah. That's really disturbing. That is fucked up is what that is. Super fucked. Ken wasn't the only monster in the home, though. You were asking about Barbara. Well, she was reportedly no better. No? No. For context, in Catherine's adolescent years, she confided in her mother about a boyfriend, reportedly a boyfriend that wanted to do a sexual act or favor that Catherine wasn't quite ready for or comfortable with at the time. And upon hearing this, Catherine's mother, Barbara, simply told her, quote, put up with it and stop complaining. That was the advice that she gave her daughter? That was the advice she gave her daughter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Holy shit. So you know I like to play devil's advocate here, so I'm going to do that for a moment. Okay? Put this into context here. While we're all processing this? Yes. That might just be how she was dealing with her sexual abuse at home, so maybe that's the only real advice she could, she had to give. She could muster? Um, yeah, but generally, like, you kind of want better for your kids. That's true. So then you would think you would want to change it so that they're not having like the same lifestyle as you. Yeah. So. Wow. It is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not backing her up here. Yeah. But no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, though, whether it was her intentions that way or, or not, Barbara seemed to give out abuse in the home basically just as much as she was receiving it. She would assault her husband. She would assault her children, both without hesitation. Oh man, that's just, I'm sorry. I'm still on this. That's just the most terrible advice. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, Just wow. shut up and put up with it. Stop yeah. complaining. Are you fucking kidding me? Jeez, and that's like your mom? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's supposed to be someone that you can trust and rely on. Yeah. And she's like, eh, shut up. Just let him do what he wants. Oh, okay. Yeah, no fucking thanks. No. Um, at times when, at a time, sorry, when Catherine was still very young, um, so we're kind of back from when that advice occurred. Okay, yeah. It just, it was a good time to actually talk about that. So we're backing yeah. up when she was still very young. Barbara would actually describe very intimate and graphic details of her sex life and personal sex life um, with, of course, her husband. Like describe it what to her kids? Yeah, she would describe it to Catherine. She would tell her all about these very vivid details. She would spare no expense um, and she would continue to talk about it. And she would tell her about her hate for her husband and how she absolutely despises men. Whoa. And this is a very young child she is doing this to. This is like, I'm like kind of sweating here. This is really like uncomfortable. Yeah, This is is. uncomfortable shit. Oh yeah. Now you know why I was having those reactions. Yeah. In the office. My gosh. (laughs) Okay. Um, All the details of what occurred inside the broken home will never really be known because by the sounds of it, a lot happened in those walls. Um, And some claims are contested, but many details have come forward and are corroborated by some of the siblings who lived oh. in the home as well. Well, now, remember how at one point I was like, poor Jack. Well, I mean, poor Jack because he died, but maybe he actually like dodged a bullet by having her leave. Maybe. but un- she's horrid. But unfortunately, he left his children Oh, in her care. and then had to go back to her. Oh, 
wonder why they couldn't go to that other family member. Like, come on. Yeah. Brutal. Um, where am I at here? Sorry, I'm, ma- I'm making you get distracted here. By- it's, no, it's all good. I'm actually like looking at the notes on my phone here and I usually don't. So I'm like kind of out of my element looking at mm-hmm. these notes. Yeah. Uh, okay, here I got it. So one detail that Catherine would speak on about some of the stuff that she endured as a young child and is generally accepted by psychiatrists is the fact that she was sexually assaulted and abused um, by many of her family members. Many of her family members. Yes. Though thankfully, at least not at the hand of her father. Okay. Smallest of silver linings, but at least that's there. Jeez. So, okay. Yeah. It's not easy for anyone to live in a house like that, let alone like a child growing up in that environment. I can't begin to fathom no. what that life would have been like. And it's unfortunate because it's like a reality for some people. Which it's a reality just, for a lot of people. Yeah. Unfortunately. Like, which is beyond sad. Yeah. I mean, beyond sad, like, it, I don't know. It feels like that's not a heavy enough word no. to say, but that's, that's, that nails it though. It is beyond sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like you're, you're helpless. Like it's, you wish that you could help all of the people out there and stuff, but you just can't really. Yeah. You're either helpless or you're hopeless. And that is so sad to say. Oh boy. We're real grim here today. Yeah, apparently. Wow. Okay. Um, anyways, as I already mentioned though, Catherine didn't have many, many friends, right? Okay. Um, and she didn't make them very easily either. So aside from her sister, she was also rather close with her uncle Oscar, Um, but however, it would hit her hard when he ended his own life in 1969, when Catherine was just 13 years old. Okay. I thought that was going to go a different way, but okay. No, no. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to this day though, however, Catherine continues to claim that his ghost still visits her at times. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. So the same year he passed away, the family would move to another small town called Aberdeen. Here is where Catherine began attending high school. Okay. So her, her mannerisms would continue here as she was, you know, an outcast and a loner. Though because of her situation growing up, Catherine seemed to develop much of a diff- much different than normal children would have. And she would have grown up in constant fear mm-hmm. for her physical and physical well-being and the potential sexual abuse. And because of such an extreme atmosphere, psychologists believe she would have begun to basically disassociate from the world around her basic like any sort of overwhelming times when she didn't know how to deal with things or cope she would just go into this disassociation type mode okay that makes sense and this would basically just yeah be her coping mechanism and in turn it left her developing her extreme temper and lack of love because at those overwhelming times she would just disassociate huh well, I imagine she also wasn't really ever shown love either. No, I right? can't imagine so much. Like no, there was a loving household of any in any way. Yeah. Um, and because of all this personality sort of stuff that was going on with her when she was in high school, um, basically it would turn and make her become into a bully in school. Oh, really? Yes. So reportedly she seemed to target boy boys more than any other though she really didn't seem to discriminate it was just kind of more her general target what she flowed to 
So she would get angry over benign things. And it seemed like she would just assault at least one boy per day at per school. Day. Per day. But that makes sense because of how her mom had like the hatred of, of yeah. men or boys or whatever, right? Definitely. It seemed like she just hated everybody, but she specifically hated boys, it seemed like. Okay. Um, and a lot of times she was actually trying to assault them with any sort of makeshift weapon she could find, like maybe a book in the classroom or something Gosh. like that. She would just like take something and like throw it at them, hit them, whatever she could. A classmate of hers would actually report at a time when Catherine uh, and her twin sister, Joy, were mm -hmm. arguing over a bike. So they're like, whose turn is it to ride the bike home? Okay. So generally when you think of two like 13, 14 year old girls, arguing over something but what do you see them doing as as far as an argument how far do you think this would go generally speaking not these oh, two. Oh man well not these two i don't know i feel like they there'd probably be like some tears and some yelling and someone storming off yeah fair enough it's kind of how i think it would go maybe normal a, maybe a push or a shove something like that i don't even know if i would see that necessarily okay but like if it got physical maybe a push or a shove would yeah. probably be as far as it goes right yeah. um well these two girls that was not the case far from it they balled their fists up and they began to full out fist fight each other punching each other as hard as they could while rolling on the ground and that was just normal for them Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was literally how they would just get through an argument. Yeah. They just beat the absolute shit out of each other. Oh my gosh. Because that's how they dealt with it. Huh. Wow. Right there is just like very um, descriptive of of their childhood and stuff. Like It really is. It really paints a picture there. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Another story would tell about Catherine, how she would actually injure, be injured, sorry, by a teacher on the school grounds. The teacher injured her or the, she injured a teacher? The teacher injured her. Okay. And after kind of questions about it, they figured out that the teacher actually did it in self-defense. Oh my gosh. Against Catherine. Oh. Yeah. Everyone was probably just like praying that this, none of these kids were in like their class or that they didn't end up having them in their class. Yeah. Eh? Oh, definitely. Now, however, this wasn't Catherine's general normal behavior. She was a well-behaved kid. She was kind of quiet. She was kind of reserved and shy. She would just snap mm -hmm. at times out of nowhere. Oh, okay. She would be actually rewarded for good behavior from the teacher quite a bit. Like she wasn't a very good student, like academic wise, but her behavior generally was good, but something would just set her off and she would fly off the fucking handlebars. Really? So it was just a switch almost in her brain. Exactly. Which again comes to that whole disassociation thing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Catherine would be 15, though, when she did drop out of high school. 
Uh, she was nearly illiterate at the time that she left, but despite not having any sort of like illiterate, literary, literary skills, uh, or any sort of qualifications, really, she was able, able-bodied and managed to get a job at a clothing factory, cutting fabrics pretty much right away. Okay. Well, that's good. She was able to get a job. Yeah. Sucks and that she had to drop out of school though. I agree. But, um, I mean, we are talking in the seventies though. Yeah. So it was kind of like a lot of people dropped out of school. It wasn't, it was abnormal to graduate grade yeah. 12, you know? Yeah. Uh, it would be a, a year later, though, 12 months, when Catherine um, obtained what she describes as her, quote, dream job, which was working at the lo- local arbiter. I think I said that right. And another word for an arbitoire. That's what. Okay, I was like, I have no idea what that is even. Arbitoire is how they say it. And another word for an arbitoire, and this is how I'm going to be referring to it from here on out, uh, is a slaughterhouse. Oh, and that was her dream job, hey? That was her dream job. Now, there's two parts to this devil's advocate here, okay? Okay. Um, So being a butcher is by no means a red flag, in my opinion. No, no, it's not. Uh, It's a legit job. I've done some butchering before. It's bloody, sure. It's kind of gross, sure. Violent, not by any means. If you describe it kind of as like a butcher, like that, it doesn't sound as bad as like her dream jobs working in a slaughterhouse. Yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, like if you go to like, many supermarkets or delis you have a guy behind the counter cutting up meat yeah and i would definitely not like be alarmed by that person exactly so like most people who do this job they're not violent it's not creepy as fuck um a lot of people do it it's It's actually an awesome skill to have it really is yeah um now second piece to this Catherine did have a reason for this being her dream job or why she wanted to work uh in this slaughterhouse much of the surrounding area in these small towns depended on this. This was the industry. The cow farming was huge. Many people she knew worked at this place, the slaughterhouse. Her father worked there. Her brothers worked there. Mm, it was okay. a place to go get a good paying job for many people in the area. Okay. That makes that makes sense then. Yeah. Like for us here in Northern BC, forestry is the main thing that drives, you know, the economy. Yeah. Like you're working in a sawmill or planer or pulp mill or. Exactly. Yeah. It's just normal around here. Yeah. And that's kind of what it was for Catherine. It was okay. just normal. Okay. Describing that makes, it's not like as alarming to me. Now. No. I mean, in hindsight, it's like, okay, maybe there are some, some red flags there a little bit, but it's not a red flag for just a normal person to work there, you know? Right. Yeah. So Catherine started working here. She started working at the bottom of the ranks in the workforce, cutting up scrap meats and organ meats, that sort of thing. But she would quickly move up and she would be promoted to boning where she would basically with precision, remove the meat from the bones of the beef. Um, And it was reported that they did approximately 500 or 600 beef per day. Like Like cows? Yes. Holy heck. Which is a lot. That is so much. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's a big factory, right? Yeah. It's not a small little place. Like a lot of people worked here. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in these surrounding towns came here, did this sort of thing. It was just, it was what drove their economy. It was yeah. their industry. Yeah. So along with this position though, Catherine also got her own set of butcher's knives for her job. So having her own set of these knives means that you are basically looking after th- after them, you're caring for them, ensuring they're sharp, ready for work, ready for your shift and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And Catherine was elated with this and took pride in her knives, so much so that they were her most prized possession. 
Okay. But is it kind of like they earned their knife, their knives kind of? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. So that makes it, that makes some sense. It does make some sense, but what doesn't really make a whole lot of sense is that at home, she even hung her knives above her bed. So they would quote, would always be handy if I needed them. Oh shit. That's a little bit of a red flag there. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit next level. Yep. Unnecessary. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that's a bit creepy. Nope, I'm out sort of thing. I mean, but sometimes lots of people will have a weapon of sorts by their bed. That's true. Just in case. Shit I, yeah. Or but if you're, or at, if it's like your most prized possession that you take from work and you hang above your, like, I don't know. It just seems a little bit too attached. It's a bit weird. It's a bit odd. Yes. Um, and this is a habit she would reportedly continue everywhere she lived until her eventual arrest and incarceration. Oh, okay. And I'm imagining she probably got some good use out of these knives. Well, I mean, she worked with them every day. Outside of work. <laughs> yeah, I know what you were asking. <laughs> um, so while Catherine was working happily at her job, she began to spend a lot of time, like, you know, away from work. You know, you got to go somewhere when you're not on shift, right? Mm -hmm. With a new guy that she met in 1973. So this man was a co-worker of hers, and his name was David Stanford Kellett. So David, unfortunately, was a very heavy drinker. Okay. Oh, so probably gave her, like, reminded her of her father. Maybe. I'm thinking. Okay. Very possible. Um, and, and I do want to say, like, and though substance abuse is never justified, um, like, I mean, there, there's reasons that make it, like, more understandable. Right. But it's like substance abuse is not like, don't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, he at least did have somewhat of a good reason for his substance abuse. He was likely suffering. And this is my diagnosis here uh, from PTSD as he was involved in two very traumatic work incidents um, previously on another job. Oh, okay. So he was working at Coffs Harbor on the railway when in one incident, his friend was killed in front of him. Um, as uh, during a train shunting incident. So train shunting is basically like shifting the cars back and forth, oh unhooking, hooking up. That would be hard to witness. Yeah. I mean, friend or not, gosh. Yeah, definitely. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't know the details on how the accident occurred, what exactly happened to the friend. Um, but a lot of these sort of incidents during this is usually between two cars. Yeah, like it wouldn't have been pretty. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one was he reportedly rescued injured uh, individuals from a school bus, injured children from a school bus that had been struck by a train. Oh, wow. In the incident, six children reportedly lost their their lives. Oh, my gosh. So he had like some super trauma that he was dealing with. Yes. And then back then, who knows if like if the help that he needed was even readily available right oh no i, I highly doubt it was yeah. readily available yeah so he was carrying some shit in his shoulders oh. like i mentioned i'm pretty sure saying he had ptsd is kind of spot on with mm -hmm. that assessment yeah but then that wouldn't have probably even been like a thing that they well back then would they still thought had like a I diagnosis i think they would have like in the 70s because of war and stuff probably yeah yeah they, they would have but I, I don't think it would have been as commonly recognized 
So it's hard to say. Mm -hmm. um, with him, though, he did eventually lose his job, though, um, due to apparent deteriorating behaviors and performances at work. OK, it's so probably drinking at work. Yeah, perhaps trying to deal with the, the, the trauma that's all wrapped up in his head. Um, and from there, he would go on to get his job at the slaughterhouse where he would um, meet Catherine. OK, so his drinking may have started as a coping mechanism, but he had turned into a loud, obnoxious party type alcoholic who was always getting out of control. Uh, he was just the man for Catherine, really, as her drinking was starting to escalate, though she wasn't really as much of an alcoholic from my, my readings. Um, but he was a heavy, heavy drinker. Okay. Um, so David would soon learn that Catherine was much more than he bargained for. <laughs> that's probably the nicest way you could put that, hey? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh my gosh. Um, so after David popped the big question, proposing to oh. her, the couple would get married in 1974. Oh shit. So he even married her. He definitely got married to her. Okay. Yeah. So at Catherine's request, they would arrive to their ceremony on Catherine's motorcycle with her driving and David on the back holding on to her. Um, now it was quite the sight as Catherine actually is much taller than David is. He's a rather short individual and Catherine's quite tall. Um, and David was clearly very intoxicated. Mm, which is actually illegal, is it not? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you can't be signing up signing those kind of documents when you're intoxicated. Oh, I thought you meant like riding on the back of a motorcycle. Oh, drunk. that too. <laughs> that too, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Both those things. <laughs> um, so when they arrived at their wedding, the moment they arrived to the ceremony, um, before they could even walk down the aisle, Catherine's mother, Barbara, pulled David aside for some motherly advice. Oh, I'm intrigued to see what the fuck this advice was. Well, this was coming from David. So remembering back to what she had told him, mm -hmm. David said this, quote, the old girl said to me, watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. Oh my gosh. I'm surprised that he didn't run for the goddamn hills. No shit. Could you imagine if like you're, the person you're marrying, their parents said that to you right before you're about to like walk down the aisle? Would you not question like what you're doing? I mean, maybe for sure. But I mean, like David kind of brushed this off. I'm sure he's heard stories of Catherine's mother, Catherine growing <laughs> up, the shit she That's said to true. her, how she was treated. So she pro he probably just thought she was crazy or kind of had a screw loose or whatever she yeah. said about Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. He's thinking, yeah, Catherine's a crazy one. Sure. Like, you know, he's probably thinking, ah, Barbara, you're the one who's got a screw loose. Yeah. So yeah, he didn't, he didn't listen to her. Huh. He didn't take her advice. That's terrifying though. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. So he didn't take the words to heart. They walked down the aisle and they said the I do's. And this was supposed to be the happiest day of their life. Mm -hmm. But things would take a very dark turn that very same night. Are you about to end this episode? 
No, not yet. Okay, I was like, you better not. Not yet. I was already glaring at you. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. We good. Don't worry. Don't worry. Next paragraph. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, David would wake up after falling asleep on their wedding night Mm -hmm. with Catherine straddling him and her hands wrapped around his throat, attempting to strangle him. On their fucking wedding night? On their fucking wedding night. What the actual? Yeah. Okay. So it's not exactly clear how David managed to wrestle (laughs) himself free, but luckily for him, he was able to save himself for the situation and he made it through this assault, this attack. But Catherine would tell him she was furious with him because they only had sex three times that night. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. And because that's honestly where I thought you were going. I was like, oh, they're like, she's straddling him. Okay. Wow. You're really telling us about their wedding night, eh? No, yeah, I am. I very but much like, so am. But I thought in like a good way. Like no, I thought it was no, a good way at no. first. Um, But okay. Three. Yep. Okay. Three she was, times. She was upset. She was upset. It was only three times. And she's she was pissed. Do you know why? Because apparently her mom was so vocal about her sex life and her experiences that Catherine knew her parents had sex five times on the night that she got married. So Catherine assumed they needed to do the same thing, thinking that was just normal and what was expected. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know what to say. That's just like. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And her like, or her mom was probably just like spilling shit. Probably. She was probably just bullshitting. Like but exaggerating, like being, yeah. Also, if her husband did have a libido to sexually assault her up to 10 times a day, Ugh. that might not be surprising. I guess. But I mean, that is a lot though. Mm-hmm. Like that is a lot. Yeah. Like a lot. Could you imagine just waking up and someone just pissed because you only had sex with them three times that night? Oh my gosh. I think I would actually probably um, not be able to contain myself, my laughter there. If they're strangling you, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I and then I'd try to probably look into an annulment of sorts. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I need, needless to say, this was quite the wedding night for these two. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically this night would paint the way for what their marriage would look like in the coming years with violence and with fits of rage. So by the age of 20 though, Catherine would now be pregnant and the couple would be expecting their first child. Mm-hmm. So on one occasion during her pregnancy, Catherine decided to take all of her husband's clothes and his shoes, throw them into a pile and light them on fire. okay why well during this commotion she would then pick up a frying pan turn it on her husband she raised it in the air and struck him hard on the back of the head holy shit so she did all this because she suspected him of not being loyal in the relationship okay well that's kind of fair I mean, you shouldn't light his clothes on fire and strike him on the back of the head with a frying pan but you would have to be certain (laughs) even if you're certain you shouldn't do that right yeah you shouldn't do that (laughs) wow okay carry on (laughs) whoa gotcha never cheat on nicole holy shit anyways she did all this because she expected him of cheating basically um because he had returned home late one evening from a game of from a dart tournament 
um, where he had made it into the finals. So, I mean, he's out there playing oh. darts. He's, he's making it into deeper and deeper in tournaments. So he's taking longer and longer. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. Now, in later years, David did admit to actually cheating on his wife and her oh. suspicions were true. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. So a friend of David's would actually talk about this in an interview about how David confided in this, basically saying, yeah, he was, he was young. He was dumb. He was doing shit mm-hmm. he shouldn't have been doing. Um, but it was also, he was not happy at home. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like he, it was almost probably he never knew what the hell he was going home to. Yeah. There was just violence. And again, like she would be happy. Then all of a sudden something would change and she would snap. Yeah. And she could even be making up shit too in her head. Right. Exactly. Oh, so regardless though, after being struck with a frying pan in the back of the head, David was dazed and in fear of his life. So he ran outside to the neighbor's house where he would collapse in their home. Cops were called and via Catherine's convincing, he didn't press any charges, but he did get taken to the hospital where he was treated for a severe skull fracture. Wow. She struck him that hard. That's pretty hard. Yes. Huh? On May 11th, 1976, Catherine would give birth to their daughter, daughter, Melissa Ann. The same month, May of 1976, David would leave Catherine for another woman. Oh, really? Yes. And the two would move to Queensland. So soon after, Catherine would commit an absolutely atrocious crime. And I mean atrocious. One that even criminals will try to kill you for when you're in prison. She attempted to kill her own newborn daughter. In spite of him leaving, hey? Jeez, basically, or or maybe not. Well, we'll get into this here. Oh, man. So Catherine was seen walking down the street with her daughter in the stroller and reportedly violently swerving it. And I do want to say violently is the, the word used to describe this. Violently swerving it from side to side. She was screaming and yelling in fits of rage as she walked with the stroller. Onlookers were deathly afraid that she was actually going to push the stroller into oncoming traffic. Thankfully, before anything like that happened, she was taken into custody and admitted into St. Elmo's Hospital, where she was diagnosed with um, postnatal depression. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she was being treated for for depression and she spent several weeks recovering before being released. Upon her release, however, she took her now two-month-old daughter to the nearby railway tracks and placed her daughter on the railway line where a train was due to come soon and she left her there. Oh, my fuck. Seriously. Yes. Why? Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. So thankfully, unbeknownst to Catherine, a local homeless man was in the area, a man by the name of Old Ted, and he saw this and he walked up and found Melissa laying a on the tracks. A two-month baby? Yeah, laying on oh, the tracks. Oh, jeez. So Melissa was thankfully saved and only by a few minutes Oh my God. Because it was not long after the train came streaming, screaming down the tracks. If it wasn't for old Ted, yeah, thank she would God not for old Ted. have survived. And please tell me that she never got, went back with her mom. 
Oh, okay, she did. Wow, <laughs> holy shit. How? I'm just, I'm just going to hold on to this here. Well, old Ted reported the incident to authorities, and it didn't take long for them to identify little Melissa mm-hmm. because Melissa's mom, Catherine, had gone into town, stolen an axe out of someone's backyard, and was wielding it around her head, threatening to kill people. Understandably, she was quickly arrested and readmitted mm-hmm. into St. Elmo's Hospital. Well, yeah, it's actually um, amazing that she got released. Yeah. What's even more amazing is um, she was released again that very same day. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that is actually, yeah. Yeah, because she miraculously recovered and signed herself out. There's no way. She should have been in there for a while, like getting some help. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so in hindsight, it's clear to us that Catherine is not fit to, I mean, leave the hospital, but one way or another, she managed to fool the doctors. Uh, so once she was out, she continued her wrath fueled primarily by anger and jealousy of her husband, leaving her for another woman. Her focus was on David. She wanted revenge and she was willing to go to extreme lengths to get it. Okay, I just have to say two things. First of all, it just popped in my head. I'm surprised that David didn't take Melissa, that he like left her with the mom, you know? Yeah. And then second of all, um, but psychopaths are like very charming usually, right? And persuasive. So that's probably how she might have been when she was in the hospital. Yeah, potentially. Right? Like easy to just talk her way out of shit and stuff. Yeah. So less than 24 hours after she signed herself out of the hospital, Catherine's violent actions would continue. She made her way over to a neighbor's house, asking them for help. She told them that her daughter, Melissa, was sick and that she needed someone to drive them to the hospital together so she can be looked at. So the neighbor agreed. Catherine walked back over to her house. The neighbors got their things, hopped into their car, and then drove over to Catherine's house to pick the two of them up. When they went inside, however... To assist Catherine, they were not met with her and her sick daughter. Instead, they were met with Catherine wielding one of her butcher knives. Oh, boy. Catherine chased them and even slashed a large cut across the woman's face as she threatened to kill them if they didn't do what she said. She wanted them to drive her to David's mother's house. Oh, wow. Her intentions were, if she couldn't have David, then David couldn't have his mother. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, sorry, I totally misheard that. Wanted to go to David's mom's house, not David's house. Yes. Okay, sorry. For some reason, I think in my brain just was like going to David's house. No. David's mom. She wanted them to oh. drive to David's mother's house so she could kill David's mom. Yep. And that's where we're going to end this episode. Oh, my gosh. I felt like it was coming to an end here. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just okay? I mean, this this one is... um Is, is what? Is quite a lot here. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. Like, for the next week now, I'm just going to be, like, in deep thought over this... this person did i break you is your brain broken right now? a little bit actually i'm processing so much shit right now that i my little innocent brain would never have thought could be so just bear with me okay i'll bear with you i got i am very surprised sometimes that shit still shocks me so much i can tell 
Do you feel like a drink now? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. This is an absolutely wild case. Uh, researching it has been very interesting, to say mm -hmm. the least. Um, I'm kind of glad I'm doing a, a deeper dive on this one. Sometimes I honestly find it, e like, not easier, but, like, because you're more in control when you're researching. It almost, like, doesn't affect me as much as, like, me just, like, step, like sitting here, standing here, whatever, listening. Yeah, fair you enough. You know, because and then you're literally having to process all this shit in like such a small period of time. And well, researching ugh. it, you can you can absorb it and read it at your own pace. Yeah, right. So you, we take the time, we research it, we stay on the same topic for a little while. We we read several articles about the same thing. We write it out ourselves, and then that's a lot of time to, like you say, process it mm -hmm. before you move on to the next piece of information. Yeah, this. It's just right across your face. A slap in the face. Yeah. That was a very <laughs> wow. like, like low sounding clap or slap. There but we go. It's also amazing that I don't, <clears throat> I have never heard of her. You've never heard of her. No. Really? No. Which is bizarre. I'm sure you have. You just don't recognize the case yet because we're still her early years. That's right? true. Oh gosh. Lord knows what she's going to get up to. Yeah. Um, it's ben not, knows. I, I, it's not cool. I'm, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people out there listening to this episode also know it's not cool. It's a lot. So heads up on that. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll we'll buckle up and we'll talk all about it next week. Next, next Tuesday. Week. Next Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So should we maybe do a, a post show today over on Patreon? Talk about this. Maybe unfold some of your emotions you're dealing with right now. I don't even know. Let's do it. Gonna, I might just be like still stunned. <laughs> we're going to do a quick little post show. Um, if you're on Patreon or want to sign up, the link is down below. You can go ahead and sign up. It, we appreciate it. It really supports the show. If not, that's totally cool too. But we have all our links down there. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, which we are actually oh. actively vlogging on now. Yeah. there's a, We never even mentioned that yet, that there's a new, new uh, vlog up. Yeah. A yep. new video up. That's cool. So link is down below. Go check it out. We're going to be doing a lot more vlogs coming up. Um, yeah. All the good stuff is down there, including also the link to go listen to our other podcast, Fearful. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of goodies down there. Look there at us go. So go check it out. <laughs> um, in the meantime, though, like I said, we'll see you next week or maybe we'll see you on Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. So until uh, part two. Stay wicked. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.